Hello and welcome to Game of Bones, a podcast where we are re-watching Game of Thrones an episode at a time, much like every other Game of Thrones rewatch podcast, just with a lot more swearing. I am Chris <laughs> Bolton, with me as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Fucking I. There you go, straight off the bat. Uh, and this fucking episode, we're looking at fucking season five, episode twat in nine. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm going to drop that now. I yeah, don't know let's, let's stop that now. Uh, yeah, um, let's let's stick to swearing only when called for. Which I was going to say it happens organically anyway. Let's not force it. Every other fucking sentence on it. Shit. <laughs> Bollocks. Um, oh dear. Yes, so yeah, so getting through the one of those intro, nights. Yeah, getting through the intro. This is season five, episode nine, Dance of Dragons. Thanks, dude. I uh, need a bit of help there. Uh, <laughs> my downward spiral into madness continues, listeners. What can I say? Um, it's, it's been a month. It has. Um, okay, so yeah, season five, episode nine, The Dance of Dragons. Um, okay, this has got a, a fucking lot. Jesus Christ! I should. <laughs> like, I can't stop. It's normally now. me. I know. I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't have said anything, should I? No. Um, so, like, this has got a, a pretty big hill to climb uh, yeah. after after the way last week ended yes. like i mean let's be fair this episode was never going to be as good was it um it's not and it's a rare one because normally um the the penultimate episode is is the one um yeah i mean in in previous seasons it's been you know, it's where we had um ned's death it's where we had the red wedding so no it's normally the big event um it's not the big showcase whereas um there's some big bits in this one i mean the the closing sequence um in marine is pretty big it's no it's it's pretty grand um, but yeah, it, it doesn't meet the dizzy heights of, of, of last week's uh, closer. No, I mean, yeah, the, the ending is actually pretty good. But it's yeah. just it's the just last not, week. Yeah, it's just I not mean, last week. And look, this is the show in general, as we said last week, guys. In my opinion, it's all downhill from here. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, we've got to get started here. And I, I mean, I'm starting to feel like we shouldn't even bother commenting on the openings anymore because this is just typically lackluster. Just well, like they I've, all I've, I've got a point on the opener, right? So we open in Stannis's camp in the small hours, and you've got um, Melisandre looking into the flames, right? Mm-hmm. Her thing is fire. She didn't mm-hmm. fucking see that coming, did she? No, I guess didn't not. Didn't see any bastard burn da- burning down the fucking camp, did they? No. Uh, you think you think she would have realised, but I yeah, mean, again... She couldn't see the fire for the flames. Yeah. I, <laughs> again, like, why not start with that camp? being on fire and everybody yeah. running everybody around running screaming. and panicking yeah yeah that's a much better opening and I... you know, even to a point where we we get the stuff with her so she you know she's looking worriedly into the flames and she has this moment where we don't know if she's seen something in the flames or she's heard something more likely she's heard something and then we cut to this super high super wide shot of the whole camp and these little fires just bursting out everywhere yeah why not just fucking start with that shot i know Far more uh, interesting. If you're going to spend the money on it, draw attention to it. Really focus on it. Use I, that as your, your pivotal moment of this scene. I mean, I, I feel like we're starting to sound like a broken fucking record now with this stuff. Like, it's... I, I, it just every time. I don't understand how they manage to cock this up every single time. But they do. They just don't know how to open scenes. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, the worry for me is that, obviously, we've talked about the writers at length, um, and we will continue to talk about the writers at length, because... In some circumstances, they do very well. In others, they clearly don't know what the fuck they're doing. But also, the director and the editor. As why yeah. is nobody gone? Hang on, why why are we doing that? Why are yeah, we starting yeah. on that? That doesn't make any sense. Let's start here. It, it it builds the drama quicker. You're straight in on the action, and people want to know what the fuck is going on. I mean, it's it's just 
drama 101 you start in the middle of a scene like it's it's the most basic but basic the, I, the thing, thing is, if you if you write in a book and this is the start of a chapter fine you set up your chapter because you need you need to give people time to to get into the chapter mm-hmm. but this and as we will have this discussion next week and the beginning of next season this isn't a fucking book this is a tv show look even if it's and, a book even even if it's a book like you 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 get slightly more breathing room but still the basis of scene structure in your storytelling is the same which is just bring people in at the last possible moment. Like, look, only because we've just recorded uh, a Who Wins looking at ghosts, okay? But the first thing that springs to mind, the best example of this, and we, we talked about it on the episode as well, if you look at A Christmas Carol, yeah? yeah. Look at A Christmas Carol. What are the What is the opening line of A Christmas Carol? Oh, fuck, now you've got me. I can't remember. Marley was dead to begin with. There you go. It's like, very long my, time since I've read that. Mic drop. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There you go, straight away, like, oh, how did he die? Who's Marley? What's going on? Whereas here, you would have first, you know, if these guys write it, you would have had a fucking 10-page description of Victorian London. Yeah. And then we would have got to find out who Jacob Marley was and what his relationship was with Scrooge. And then he would have died. And it's like, no, you you just, you don't understand the basics of storytelling here, do you? To be fair, with these two, you probably wouldn't have got that. You'd have had all the basis of victorian london and who he was and the relationship with scrooge then they'd have introduced all the ghosts and then they went, oh yeah by the way marley's dead yeah it's it's oh, it just fucks me off it really does um i mean here you go the opening passage marley was dead to begin with there was no doubt whatever about that the register of his burial was signed by the clergyman the clerk the undertaker and the chief mourner scrooge scrooge signed it and scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to there you go right you introduce your key character, you introduce the world because you realise, you know, obviously by the language and, and the sort of uh, the people that we're talking about in the social structure, you understand what's going on there. You've got the mystery of Marley. That's writing. OK, this is not. This is bollocks. This is she's going to look into the flame for like what seems like 30 fucking seconds. Then fires are going to spring up everywhere. Like, and then and even when they do, nobody seems like they bothered that the camp is burning down. But nobody seems massively asked about where these may have come from. Like No, that's it. Nobody seems asked about where it's come from. And to be and even like you've got the Melisandre running around, no, not running around. She's having a little stroll while people hmm. around her get up starting to panic, but nobody seems overly bothered that the fucking camp is on fire and the people who've done it might still be there. Yeah. I ridiculous awful opening uh, but again thing is it could have been good i think it could have been really interesting if we'd have started with those fires we would have gone oh fuck what's going yeah, on where's that yeah it would exactly it would have been where are we who's in danger what's happening right and then you can answer all these questions immediately after the fact yeah but it's I mean, far don't more forget, interesting i mean don't don't forget we've just the the last thing we saw was john sailing uh, rowing away from hard home yeah. in the snow so the first thing we see here is a snowy camp at night on fire. We're yeah. automatically thinking that no, where that our hero is in peril. Yeah, but, but no. we don't. No, we don't get any of that. So anyway, that's that's my thoughts on the opening. Rubbish. Um, <laughs> could have been good, but wasn't. Mm. Um, then we do get to spend some time with John, uh, where he, he sort of trudges back to the wall, and we have what is quite possibly the most ridiculous shot reverse shot I have ever seen. Yeah. I've, <laughs> Of John and Thorne staring each other down. Yeah, from when, fucking 700 from feet away. Unbelievable. Well, sorry, 700 foot up, plus however far back they are. It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I get, you know, 
I get that this is probably accidental. Uh, it, you know, and I, when I say accidental, I mean as much as the inference is accidental because of the way they've cut between the shots. Like, yeah. they're but the thing is, the eye lines match perfectly, so it looks as if they're looking directly yeah. at each other. They're but they're probably no, staring each other out. But yeah, yeah there's, there's no way in hell. No, and the intention is clearly for John just to be looking up at the wall, saying "Let me in," and for Thorne to be looking around, saying "Look at that prick." Yeah, but. Because it's shot reverse shot, and because we're in fairly tight on both of them, and yeah. because there's no status paradox or anything, we're looking down on John up at Thorn. The eye lines match exactly. It just infers that they're staring each other out. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely ludicrous. Yeah. I, and and like, the thing is, they can't even argue that, you know, yeah, okay, they're far enough away, but they'll be able to recognize each other because we see both of their perspectives. So yeah. we see how far away they are. We see what they can, how much they can actually see. And it's nothing. You know, they're dots on the top of the wall and a mass of bodies down at the bottom. You can't make out one from another apart from the giant. No, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. Um, <laughs> but then, I mean, it does lead on to some good stuff once he's in. There's very short sort of scenes that we get with John. Yes. But um, in particular, I've I've sort of scribbled down the line, uh, which, which I thought was very good, actually. I've just criticised the writing uh, for the start, but I think there's some very good dialogue here. It's probably from the book. I don't know. Uh, but we get told, you have a good heart, Jon Snow. It'll get us all killed. Yeah. Uh, so that's a fucking great line, and it's well delivered. He is totally matter-of-fact about it. Yes. Just, you know, there's no... There's no spite. There's no inference. It's just, this is a fact. You are too nice. <laughs> like, yeah. You are too nice. You're too good-hearted for this. You're going to get us killed. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, yeah. and, and it's just a little bit of foreshadowing to what's coming uh, next week. Um, yeah. So, and to yeah. a point as well where you've got you know, John's coming in and he's looking around um, and none of them will look at him. Yeah. Again, it's, it's a really nice scene. It's no, it, I say it, it, it is setting up for, for for what's coming. Obviously, it's setting up really well. But just the fact that you know, he's he's already said to Sam, look, no, as no, Sam said, oh, if you hadn't gone, then all you know, then these th- these thousands you've saved would also be dead. Not just the ones who died, but the ones who who, who you, you saved, they would now be dead too, and they wouldn't be no, they wouldn't be walking through here. And I think John's like John's sort of return is, I think, I think most of these would be happy with that. And then you, you cut to, to these little pockets of of. Uh, of of crows and none of them will look at him. They're yeah. all looking disdainfully at the, at the wildlings, or they're looking anywhere else other than at John. And we get a very pointed version of gaze from Ollie as well yes. when he looks over to Ollie, which is again is good and sets us up for next week. But yeah, that that line from Sam is very good as well. Um, yeah. You know, it's this aspect of John. I feel like has been has been well explored now, um, but it, it never hurts to sort of pile pressure back on him like he is carrying the weight of the world on his shoulders and as we yeah. said last week you know there's, there's an excellent shot where he's looking back out at the, the shoreline last week and he is feeling the full weight of every single one of those deaths it doesn't matter that he's saved however many it's the ones he's lost that yeah. he's feeling uh just true hero stuff brilliant really really yeah. good um so then over we go to stannis right now as much as anything else, right, and, and there's, there's issues to talk about with Stannis' storyline in this episode, obviously, yeah. but the biggest problem I have every time we're spending time over with Stannis in this episode is most of it is shot inside a tent, yeah. and they appear to have decided to film inside a tent in the middle of a fucking hurricane because <laughs> the tent is just blowing all over the place, and it, like, it is legitimately bothering me to watch it. It's making me feel fucking seasick. But it's supposed to, because they're in the middle of a storm. That's why they're about to bed in. 
I mean, so I get it's, it. That's, the real... that's the effect they've gone for. It's just yeah, the realism of it. I salute. Yeah. I get why if, they've if done anything, it. If anything, they've done it too well, which is something we don't often way, see in the show. Way too well. And again, they've just they failed to understand that this is drama here, yeah. and it's, you know it doesn't have to be real. Okay, we can we can actually imply this sort of thing with some sound effects of some whistling wind and, yeah. and maybe the odd sort of the odd rustle. You know, Russell here and there, like, we don't have to be standing in the middle of fucking wibbly-wobbly jelly land, which is what this looks like. It's just like fucking, do you remember the old Soft Mints advert with Mr. Yeah. Soft? It's fucking yes. like that, isn't it? <laughs> but the whole thing, it looks like an old fucking episode of Star Trek. It's yeah. ridiculous. Um, it, it just cheapens the whole fucking thing. It looks terrible uh, and, and legitimately bother me bothers me to watch it. I can't, I can't look away from it. Like this, it, it didn't this... bother me that much. I was I I was more concerned that obviously having watched this before and remembering where this where this story goes and there's you get I mean we've we've seen Stannis uh, or, or Stannis authorized on the, on behalf of the the Lord of Light some really fucking heinous things and burning people at the stake for no reason. Um, we we've seen all of this before. You know, and we, you know, we had the vaginal smoke monster that killed his brother. All this shit, but he has continued to become a more interesting character. But all of a sudden. You're just looking at him going, yeah, this just I just don't want this story to carry on now. I'm bored. I've had enough of it. Yeah, this is pretty much the end of Stannis for me this week, actually, as well. And bearing in mind, you know, I have said on several previous occasions, um, and, and actually as recently as last week or the week before, yeah. I think, um, you know, Stannis is a character, if they'd, have, if they'd have followed him through and stuck true to him rather than doing this really fucking weird U-turn this week. Um, well, apparently this com- this is coming in the next book. Uh, maybe it'll be handled better in the book. I don't I know. But, um, we, we'll we'll talk about talk about this change when we get to it. But you know, as I've been saying, I, I think Stannis actually was was lining up to be a pretty good leader. Like yeah. harsh at times, yeah, a little bit crazy now and again, but like definitely firm fair. and fair. Yeah, and I th- I think he would have made a good king. Um, but there you go. So we we'll talk about that when we come to it. We have this brief scene in the tent. Um, where we sort of sow the seeds for what's coming later. Yeah. Then we get the scene with Davos and Shireen, uh, and and as always, they they're great. You know, they they're brilliant together. Um, the, the relationship yeah. I mean, between these two is is really touching. Um, yeah, I mean, stepping back for a sec, so you get the scene in the tent with Davos and and Stannis, and you get you get the impression that oh, Stannis is wrestling with his conscience at this point. He's he's still no, he still doesn't know what to do. He still hasn't quite given up. He still hasn't no. I mean, last week we had Melisandre say, "No, sacrifice Shireen, and we'll no, and that'll bring the Lord of Light on side." All the rest of it, he refused to do it last week, and obviously now now they've been routed in the night by by Ramsay and his twenty men. Um, and it's almost no, it's it's it almost they're, they're trying to play it as though he's he's wrestling with this thing. Does no, should he have done it? Should he? No, if he does it now, is it still going to matter? But then for all this time where he's supposedly wrestling with it, he sends Davos away, knowing full well that Davos is the person who's going to come to him so fucking stupid. Yeah, and I mean, it just seems Davos a, bit, is, a bit too calculated for me. It, it does, yeah. Davos is the kind of angel on his shoulder, isn't he? If Melisandre's yeah. the devil, Davos is the angel. He's the counterbalance. Um, yeah, I, I had... That kind of implies he's already yeah. made his mind up, and they're playing it as though he hasn't, and he's mm. still struggling with it. But in reality, if he's sending Davos away, it's because he already knows what he's going to do. And it's not because he has to. I think I don't know whether I don't I don't know where that would have come from because I mean, you know, we've not seen again, if it's happened off screen, which is entirely possible in the show, we haven't seen uh Melisandre exert any more pressure. We haven't heard her say, Look, if you'd done what I fucking told you last week and killed your daughter, we wouldn't be in this mess now. We haven't seen any of that. So if that's the case, if that's what's turned what's turned him, 
then we needed to see that because that's important. If that's not what's turned him, we need to see what did. Yeah. Um, because I, at this point, it's just like he's gone, oh, right, okay, well, fuck it, I'm out of choices now, so I might as well just kill the kid. Yeah, um, and actually, uh, I think you've just put a finger on what it is that I really don't like about this. Um, we'll, we'll explore it again later on, but I think that was an excellent point about Davos. That's, that's not something I'd I'd quite piece together, but I think you're dead right. And if the implication is that he's already made his mind up, that actually makes it a bit more interesting to me. Um, it just feels like it needed more exploring. Yeah, because um, uh, it stands, it's come, it's it's a come YouTube, out of nowhere, out of nowhere yeah, yeah. and it's completely out of character. Yeah, we, I mean, we, it, I mean, we've it, seen him, we've seen him burn people at the stake before, as far back as his very introduction. We've seen that, and that's fine. But this was cat. No, I mean, all we've had this season is that uh, no, when when you when you were born and you had the disease, they wanted to kill you, and I and I killed them instead. You were my daughter. You were my blood. I will protect you with my life. Last week, when Melisandre says, so, no, you saw what Gendry's blood did, and he was a bastard." This is your actual. No, this is your actual daughter. Your no, who has your your yeah. royal blood. Imagine what that will do. And he categorically said no, and he threw her out the tent. So something has had to change. Apart from the fact yeah. we've had a bit of a setback here. Okay, it's a fairly major setback, I grant you, but that shouldn't fundamentally alter his character. No, it shouldn't. Um, and, and I think your point doesn't change anything that happens here. I just think it makes it slightly more interesting if that decision has already been made. It doesn't seem like such a snap decision, which it does later on, but yeah. it still seems like the wrong one uh, without further exploration. So, yeah, that's that's interesting, actually. But, uh, yeah, regardless, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Yeah. Um, so we get the scene with Davison Shreen. Um, you know, it's very good, as always. Serves to remind us the relationship between the two, which, of course, will pay off later on. Sets yeah. up everything with Shreen for later on as well. Just reminds us just how innocent she is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all very good. Serves its purpose. Um, then we're back over to Dawn. Yeah. And it's just it's fizzled out already, isn't it, Dawn? Like it... But, I mean, yeah, it's annoying because it. Like last year we had Oberyn came in. And there was lots of promise. We've heard lots about Dawn over the years, but we've never really seen a lot. Oberyn came in. He was flamboyant. He was extravagant. He was fairly wily. Um, didn't really give two fucks about social norms or etiquette or anything like that. He was just like, fuck it. There's horse here. I'm going to get laid. And this year, we've spent some time in Dawn. We've seen the Sand Snakes. We've seen, excuse me, we've no, we've, we've seen um, Bronn and uh, Jamie fight with the guards. And all this stuff, it, it's starting to get really interesting. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, this is done. And they fizzle it out into politics, you know, yeah. and, and it's these these collection of scenes here. It's just starting to feel like season one all over again, where it's a lot of powerful dudes yeah. sitting around talking, talking and making decisions. And that's not interesting. No, um, that, that's right, because if you're doing that, what they say has to be interesting. And they don't know what you get here from Doran and Jamie. It's just lots of platitudes and talking around each other. Yeah, it's Nobody boring. actually fucking says anything. It's boring as fuck. Um, thankfully, we do um, sort of get to spend some time with the sand snakes whilst we're here as well. And and it's an entirely pointless scene yeah. that we get with the sand snakes, but they're just fucking great. I love them. I, I wish we saw more of them. And again, um, it's, it's the sort of thing you can relate to with a sibling as well, especially we've got an older sibling who is constantly, I'm better than you, I'm faster than you, yeah. I'm stronger than you, all of this stuff. And and you, you get the younger one, yeah, you'll, you'll slip, you're overconfident, you'll slip up, I'll get you. And then lo and behold, she does. And rather than go for the obvious, you no, know, whack her hand as hard as you can, because that's what she's expecting, she just twats her across the face. And that's the sort of dick move younger siblings do. Yeah, I know because I've done it. It's a great, it's a great scene. Like I say, pointless. Um, it's, yeah. There's no purpose other than to to move Bron from the cell to the chamber, which yeah, you know, and, and set up the gag about the one condition and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, 
but all of that could have just happened anyway. We didn't need yeah. to see it, but it's it's a good scene. So I'm and and to be honest, in an episode that's so far been pretty fucking boring, um, yeah. I appreciate it. So. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, you get you get three scenes back to back in Dawn, which are actually yeah. pretty good comic value. Yeah, they are. Uh, the first one's boring as fuck, but then the, the following two have got some good comedy. Bron is it, great it, when he's, it's, once it's, he's in it's the boring. room. The first one is boring, but you do get some nice back and forth with Tristan, who you get the impression he's gonna you know, he's gonna have a bit of Oberyn him. He's gonna have a bit of spark about him. And you, you might get some sparring off him. So there's there's hope there. Yeah, um, I guess, but I, I think I'd already switched off a bit by this point. So to yeah. just hear dudes sitting around talking wasn't doing it for me. The sand snakes perked me up, um, and then once Bronze around, I mean, Bronze always a good time, isn't he? So yeah, exactly, you know, and and his reaction when he's in the room as well and finds out that he's going to be freed and instantly goes to, oh, the pie looks good. Like, all right, I'm free, so feed me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's just great. Um, so we get that that yeah that little trio of scenes. So as much I think to remind us where everybody is than anything else, they don't serve yeah. a lot of purpose. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then we spend some time with with Arya. Um, this is one of those episodes that we, that we often get towards the end of a season where we seem to be doing a bit of a round robin, just yeah. see where everybody is and check in. Um, but oh my god, this stuff with Arya here is look in a show that is frequently stepping very close to the line of what is distasteful and occasionally stepping over it. I was going to say, stepping for close, me, fucking hell. For me, they just just step over the line and kick dog shit all over it here and pretend it never existed. I mean, yeah, I mean things like that... how much for your little clam. Yeah, and I remember that from the first watch, and I remember thinking oh, at the time, it's just vomit. one of those no, bleh, sort, of, yeah. sort of scenes where you're like, written out, even, even in a bawdy med no so, so no middle ages or medieval sort of town no where, where you would have had commoners and sailors even then you wouldn't you wouldn't be expecting to hear that and then to, so, so to have that and then to go from there and i'm not sure if it's the next scene or if it's a it's, scene, it's but... the next scene but before we go on to the next one let's just I, I don't want to talk about it but i feel like we have to because yeah. look we've said a lot about what what we think and and actually you know the the book now um five not killer dragon sort of seems to back our theory up slightly as well in that this set felt a lot like a boys club and it certainly feels a lot yeah um like there is a slight abuse of power here and, and a slight sort of white male privilege voice to the script and to me just the very and it's it's vomit inducing but a line like how much for your little clam suggests knowledge that what they're asking for is wrong uh because because if the intent is purely sexual and you know you're you're not trying to sexualize a child essentially which is what you're doing here Mm. then it's how much for your clam yeah or it's you know how much for a handy or whatever it's going to be okay it's more forward the line how much for your little clam is so much worse and so because it kind of tiptoes around the subject and dresses it up in innuendo and sort of connotation and and that's just worse it's like i know what i'm saying is wrong i know what i'm writing is wrong and i can't write can i please fuck you little girl so instead we'll flower it up a little bit how much for your little clam it's fucking disgraceful i can't believe it made it past any fucking censor Generally, I'd agree, but, but after 49 episodes go. of this shit, I can't, I, I'm not surprised I, by a lot anymore. I don't know how they get away with it. It's fucking gross. It's HBO. Um, yeah. And at this point, they've sunk that much money into it. They're pretty much letting them get away, get away with what they like because they've invested too much to stop. 
it, it's it's fucking gross. Uh, and then, yeah, you're right. They double down when we get to the next scene. Yeah. And we just get, you know, all the, all the fucking guys going to the brothel. And we just get this repetition from the captain of, uh, she's too old, too yeah. old, too old. I mean, is this really called for? Like, what purpose does this serve? The, the setup was there earlier, okay? We understand that he's yeah. into to young girls. That, that setup was there earlier, and we understand, you know, distasteful as it is how much for your little clam again sets up the fact that that Aya is being sexualized so yeah. the setup has happened as yeah. as poorly as it was handled earlier on you know that it could have been handled better just by redressing that dialogue slightly okay as poorly as it handled earlier on it was still handled we don't need to hammer it home like this it's no. gross it's absolutely gross um it, it is and it, i mean it's you you look at it as well. i mean we've had in, in between these two scenes, so we see um, after after Arya gets, uh, I want to say proposition for want of a better phrase. Um, so she then approaches what is to be her her her, her victim, her target. Spots Meryn Trant and um, what's his face Tyrell getting off a boat, and then we so no, she's watching them as they're doing their introduction. And Mark Atis comes out. Mark Atis is always always pretty good because he's always a smug, sanctimonious cunt, um, which I really I, as a as a character actor, I think he does a very good job of. I think he's brilliant. But he always comes across as very sanctimonious, um, and it, it's it's again it's another entirely frivolous scene where we you know we could have quite easily have her see them arriving and then going into you know, being met by by the Iron Bank and being led inside. We didn't need to have all that shit with with Terrell. and it also it almost smacks of and it's the same as the very f- opening shots with uh, Melisandre looking at the fire. It almost smacks of trying to flesh out the script because they're a couple of pages short. Yeah, I guess you're right, actually, because it is. Because it's all. I mean, there's some entirely pointless dialogue about the bank being gamblers and him singing some stupid fucking song, and there's no point to any of it. It doesn't add anything to character because he's not. He's not a character that's important enough to remember. And, no, I'm. And Meryn, no, the setup is there, so we see Meryn Trant um, in in the same place as Arya. So it's it's trying to set that up. We didn't need all this bullshit dialogue and song. We could have just had literally her spotting it, them getting off the boat and going straight into the bank. Job done. Yeah, yeah. We don't I mean, see any, we don't we don't need to see anything we do with the bank. There's no, no crown business. There's nothing actually happens between Tyrell and Mark Gatiss's character to actually warrant there being a scene. No, I mean I've I've actually written here just I've summed that whole line up in in one note of Jesus Christ. This episode is so fucking boring. It's um, like they felt because nothing's happening. They felt the need to put more words in. Yeah, I, well, I don't get me wrong. I do that. But if you're going to do that, you need to double down on the things you're saying and actually make them worth worth saying and worth hearing. Yeah. And this this is just it's a comic relief scene, which isn't funny. No, I, and it's, it's no, it's it's not even good filler. And, and I think the problem is as well, it's come after just two of the most, for my money anyway, two of the most vile scenes in the show to date, and not vile in terms of graphic content, just vile in terms of their insinuation. Hmm. And so when this comes along, then I'm just uh, I don't care. Like, ugh, yuck! I've still got bad taste in my mouth. So. Yeah, so far, all this episode is doing is boring me. But It's undoing a lot of the good they did last week. I think. Massively. And, and, you know, but never mind, because, hey, you know what? Here comes Ilaria Sand. So, hey, Mark, isn't it great when we have a really cool, strong female like Ilaria and she gets to have her own storyline and, and lead from the front and do what she wants? And, do you know, I tell you what I love to do with strong female characters like that, Mark. Sure, I love. I love to make them kneel to old men in wheelchairs. That's yeah. what. Oh, no, hang on. That's not me. That's not me. That's the Wonder Twins. What a fucking ludicrous, ludicrous idea this scene is. How well, do you... 
the, you just chop us straight from, off at the knees. But the whole thing, from the time we had the, the fight between Bron and Jamie and Sand Snakes, from that moment on, Ilaria Sand has been entirely fucking pointless. She's done nothing. Nothing, yeah. And she's just... not given the opportunity to do anything. And much like this story, she's been entirely flushed away. Yeah, uh, here they just literally they just close the book on her. They're just like, do you know what? You're done now. Just yeah. just kneel to him. Her storyline's done. Just fuck but, off. But just not only that, no, not only is your storyline done, not only do you not get to be the strong the strong female character we built you up to be over the last sort of season and a half, whatever it is, but not only are you going to bend the knee and kiss the ring, you are going to cry like a pathetic pissy little woman. It's ridiculous. They they just absolutely, absolutely you flush her straight down the pan here, and like you say, she's been. She's been on a downward spiral for a little while, but it's more that she's just kind of been hanging in limbo. Like, they don't know what to do with her. And you've, there's always that, you know, I said it going right back to Oberyn's death. Like, there is so much wasted potential in this storyline. And it's just kind yeah. of, it's low-hanging fruit. It really is. And here, it's just like they go, ah, yeah, but we, we don't need to spend any more time with women, do we? Let's, let's get on with the man stuff. Well, we've already uh, got Cersei and Daenerys, so we already have enough women. We don't need any yeah, more. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, and I mean, you know, we can't have too many women getting ideas above this station, can we? So let's oh, make God, them no. let's make them kneel to men in wheelchairs. Why yeah. not? And look, that's that's not me ability shaming or anything. I'm just pointing out the very real fact that we have somebody who is clearly far stronger and more physically able than her and, otherwise and, and gendered counterpart. Let's be fair. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it makes no sense for her to kneel to him whatsoever and even if she does it makes no sense for her to then break down about it like no. just so, you, know, you, you do it with you yeah. do it with your teeth firmly gritted yeah and you step, you step away vowing revenge or whatever you know which is in keeping with that character yeah uh, that's no. yeah no. it's completely completely wasted the last season i of, hate of this her. i hate this episode um so okay, moving on. Um, we do there is some good, uh, and actually we get another scene with Shreen here where she explains Dance of Dragons, um, and it's one of the best expos- expository passages I think they've done in the whole show. Her, yeah. her her delivery of these lines and just the the nuance of having that story mirror what's going on and giving you the backstory as well. Um, yeah. It's it's just so much better than having somebody walk along and say, hey, this happened to so-and-so's cousin who was related to this person who fucked somebody from this house who yeah. did this, which led to the creation of this sword, which meant that they could do that. This is just so much more interesting and so much neater and brings us into these characters, Yeah, particularly bearing in mind what's about to happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, it's the second time she's done it. Like, she did it with Davos earlier on as well. So she introduced, she, yeah. she explained the book to Davos and he's like, oh, you can read it to me when I get back. And she said, no, you can read it yourself. Because again, this is part of their, part of their chemistry, part of their relationship where she had, no, she has taught, taught him to read. He's relayed the story by his son and how he was always on him to learn to read and he, he ignored him and all the rest of it. And he wished he hadn't. So we, you know, we had that nice build. And then she, again, she goes, she goes into it and she's already done this once. And she's like, oh, but this happened, and th- th- this is what it meant, and this is what it meant for the kingdom. Speaking to somebody who, as a would-be king, should know all this shit anyway. And, yeah. and even if he doesn't know the ins and outs, he should know the perils and pitfalls of what happened with the Targaryens. Yeah, absolutely. But it's it's because she's a child, and you're able to then process it through her eyes, it's the classic use of a cipher, isn't it? It's like yeah. he's going to... He's going to put up with that because that's his daughter telling him the story. So it's interesting for him to listen to his daughter and to humour her. So it I, I, it just feels much less clumsy 
than than a lot of the exposition that we get and it's the yeah. fact that it, it leads on to giving us more of their relationship obviously there's the mirroring of the mad king as well and what's going on with stannis here and you know we yeah. we lead on then to lines from stannis like he's a fucking this is a really fucking great scene i've got to be fair like we've got like we've got lines from stannis here as well like if a man knows what he is and remains true to himself then the choice is no choice at all yeah and it's a very good line and as we said earlier on, I feel like Stannis's choice hasn't been explored. And I feel like there is real weight behind this line. It's just a shame that we haven't seen it. We yeah. need to see this choice. Wait, like I'm fine with him ultimately having to go, yeah, okay, I know if I want to be king, I have to kill it. Look, I'm fine with that. And there's something something quite Shakespearean about that, actually. Oh, yeah, isn't definitely. It? Well, you know, biblical to a point. No? It, yeah, to a point, yeah. But But that needs to be explored more. Yeah. Um, it just, just giving us that little breadcrumb is not enough. No, that's um, it. And this is what I was saying earlier. It just feels like it either. No, I mean, earlier on, it was it seemed far more calculated. He decided that was what he's going to do. And then here it looks like he's he's struggling with making a decision that he hasn't already made. And he's trying to justify it to himself. The whole thing about you no know, yes, about the choice not being a choice. So it's 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 almost like he's trying to convince himself. In which case, why is he already sent Davos away? Um, well, but yeah, but that it's... that ties into that though, doesn't it? It's like he's trying to convince himself, and he knows Davos will talk him out of it. So I I think I think your your reading of it there is bang on. Actually, um, I, I think we just need we needed to have that explored more because this yeah. definitely ties in with that. Like he knows what he's going to do and he knows Davos is going to tell him not to do it. And he also knows that he's on a fucking precipice. So Davos can and will convince him not to. Yeah. He'll um, talk it down. So it, it's again, it's that thing of I've, I've made the choice. I know it's the right thing to do. It is in his mind, you know? Um, so, so that's why he's done that. Uh, and, and that makes sense, but it's not enough. No, it's it's really not, and as I said, I'd like to think that when it's written in 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 prose, it will be explored a lot more because you can you can you you're not constricted by what you can show in in a book, no. obviously. Um, so and, I, and I, actually, I would hope they would do a lot more with it there because as it stands, it just seems to be a complete climb down from the character who was so convinced and so self no so forthright and so self assured that no, you are my daughter and I will die for you. Nobody will ever harm you while I'm alive because you're my daughter. To then to this within the space of what two weeks? Yeah. It's like, it, oh fuck. Okay. Right. What it, happened there? It makes no sense. And I think actually, again, you you've hit on something there which which hadn't occurred to me. Uh, not having read the books and not having done any research as fucking usual. Um, I like I I knew we were approaching the point where they bypassed the books. Uh, yes. I didn't know that that this in in this instance had passed it. Yeah. So I mean, there's, so, there's a bit on the wiki page where it's talking about this scene um, where it says. Um, um, producers Benioff and Weiss confirmed George R. R. Martin told them Shireen would be burned to death as a sacrifice in an unpublished right. novel. Right, because that's exactly what this feels like. That's what I was about to say. Um, with us saying it, it feels like it might be explored, and we hope it'll be explored more in the book. I'm sure it will, because this feels like somebody has a conversation, and and it kind of feels like when you're breaking story with somebody, and you mm. don't worry too much about about the shading in you just worry about drawing the outline so you go in this and then this and then this and then this and it feels like in that conversation he's gone and then for in order to give him a heel turn he's going to burn shreen at the stake yeah and he's let them run with that yeah without explaining why without or, explaining or any, why. any of the justification and, i mean there's the quote goes on to say um it's a quote from Benioff where he says, when George first told us about this, it was one of, the, one of those moments where I remember looking at Dan. It was just like, God, it's so horrible. It's so good in a story sense because it all comes together. 
debatable. Uh, White said he believes the decision to kill Shireen in this way is entirely narratively justified, questioning why we're all highly selective about which characters deserve our empathy. Stannis has been burning people alive for seemingly trivial reasons since season two. So again, showing there's a complete lack of understanding of the character. Total lack of understanding because this isn't just people. This yeah. is his fucking daughter who and, he would and again, die this, for. Yeah, this is the daughter who he has killed people for. He's yes. already told us that. This, and he this... will not let anybody harm. He's already told us that. So, yes, okay, in in in, in the Shakespearean tragedy sense, yes, okay, it's um, it's not unheard of, and no, there is weight to it, but the way they're treating it, it's like, well, it's just another death. It's just, excuse me, it's just another body on the pyre. Game and of Thrones for you. Yeah, and it's just the, the completely throwing throwing away a character and the, and the way they've spent years building them up by not understanding where the subtleties are and, in, and where the lines are for that character. The thing is, I I think with more work, I get it, and I would I would be on board, and I would buy Stannis burning her to give him a heel oh, turn. Yeah, but it I needs would to come from it. somewhere. I, it I would has too, to be has motivated. To be, yeah, it, it can't just be, oh, right, okay, we've had a bit of a setback. And obviously, I'm, obviously the Lord of Light is punishing me for not killing my daughter, so I'm going to now kill my daughter. Yeah. And it's like, it's not been thought through, and we've not had enough time for, we've, we've not spent the time with him to, for him to justify that to himself, let alone to us. So it yeah. just feels like it's, they've gone, all oh, right, okay. Yep, all right, then do that. That's fine. Yeah, I, I, and they've kind of just clumsily, again, just tried to fucking run through and railroad it home to us, just in case we forgot, you know, when we get this exchange between them at the end where, you know, she kind of reciprocates his yeah. speech to her from a couple of weeks ago where he was saying he'd do anything for her. Yeah. You know, she she sort of says, about, well, I'm Princess Shireen of the House Baratheon and yeah, I'm it's, your it's, daughter. Yeah, it's, it's my duty and I want to help and I want to do this and I should be allowed to do this. And and again, at this point, no, she's a, she's a very young child. Yeah. She's, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. There, there are days when I would quite happily put number one on a pyro and just sort of say, yeah, bye. I'm kidding, obviously. But, you know, the, you get you get days as a parent where you know what, yeah. just fuck off. Just leave yeah. me alone. But at no point would you ever take into account if, where you're, th- you're, you're, A, you're talking in riddles, so she clearly isn't going to know what you're talking about anyway. B, where what you're talking about is her being executed, sacrificed. And she's saying, yeah, but I, I want to do it without knowing yeah. what it is. I'm your daughter. I want yeah. to do it. Which, you know, surely that's got to do that's got to go some way towards breaking his will as well, you would have thought yeah you 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 know she's reminding him that i'm the daughter you said you'd die for yeah, i'm the daughter and, and... you said you'd kill for of course i want to help you because this is who i this is what i mean to you this is who i am to you I, and and here's the thing like following that line as if we weren't already feeling it anyway without proper exploration which we haven't had mm. even his line from earlier on where he says, if a man knows what he is and remains true to himself, the choice is no choice at all. The Like the literal reading of that in this instance, without explanation, is that, you know, thing is, like, if he's being true to himself, then he wouldn't do this at all. Because his first instinct was to point blank refuse it. Like, yeah. he would not even entertain the thought. No. Like, point blank. Yes, yes, he wants to be king. Yes, he's the one true king. But before all of that, above all else, he's a fucking father. Yeah, and, and that, and that is the line he will cross. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, is, that's the one thing he won't give up for the throne. It makes no sense, and the choice is totally unjustified. Oh, completely. Played out the way it is. Um, you know, and, and people talk about Danny, you know, and, and her heel turn and stuff towards the end. But this is, for me, like Danny's a signposted all along, and it makes sense when it comes. But this is just so mm. nonsensical. This, this is throwing Janetti through the barbershop window. Yes, it's this completely... is out of fucking nowhere. 
yeah, absolutely, completely out of left field. Makes no sense at all. And it it's just fucking awful. It's utterly irredeemable, both for the character and the show, in my mind. Mm. Um, unbelievably, the show still hasn't jumped the shark for me at this point, but it's coming very it's coming. fucking close. It's like they, They're approaching the ramp. Um, oh, I mean, yeah, that's, they're at speed now. Yeah, they, they, I mean, that's next season, and, and you know what episode that is. Um, yes. So they, they're approaching the fucking ramp, but they haven't jumped the shark yet. But this is just another, like, this is them throwing the boat into full throttle. This this is like, what the fuck are you doing, guys? Yeah. It's totally out of character. And it, I feel like it's it's actually even more annoying because, like, like we've just, just sort of spent 10 minutes or so musing over, like, actually... If you'd have just set this up earlier, and if if you had a better understanding of these characters and of basic narrative, like it's there for the taking, and it oh, would definitely. Work, it would definitely work, and it would be a real gut punch. Yeah. Um, whereas actually, what what it ends up being is not so much a gut punch as a fucking throw something at the TV and swear. Oh, it's a, it's um, a proper kick you in the nuts job. It's like this is just this is the level of disdain they have for the story. Yeah, it it doesn't punch you in the gut because. I feel like some of what should be tragedy is removed by the yeah. fact that Stannis is doing it so cold bloodedly. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he and doesn't, I mean, if anything, and we, when we get, I mean, I'm not sure if it's the next scene or it's a little bit later, but in the next, even you can get Celise telling him it's the right thing to do. It's what we need to do. And even she cracks under it and the scene goes, no, we can't do this. This, no, this doesn't make any sense. What are we doing? This is our daughter. Even she cracks, but he is entirely emotionless. He's entirely stoic. And, and he watches even... this and goes, you know what? I'm fine with this. And everybody else, the soldiers are uncomfortable to a point where they, you know, they're all they're all looking mutinous. They're all looking like they're going to walk. His, you know, his wife, who has been portrayed as both bat crap crazy and entirely Lady Macbeth, you know, even she breaks down in, in, into hysterics and tries to stop it because it's it's so horrific and also so fucking pointless and stupid. And he's the only one, apart from Melisandre, who's looking at this, going, "Yeah, okay, I'm fine with this. I'm on board with this. Yeah, great." And and there again lies lies a problem. Like you say, the scene itself, apart from the fact that narratively it doesn't make any sense, the scene itself is totally mishandled. Because if even doing the scene, he was showing remorse or showing that this was a challenging decision and he yeah, didn't know it, what to do, and even the slightest hint of discomfort would be something, or even even a, a half step towards her, and then Melisandre putting a hand on his shoulder, yeah, is all it needs. Uh, but trying. To use, um, I've got a name already. That silly. Trying to use Celise and the and the men to sell it doesn't work. Okay, right. The men, the men turning on him. Fine, we get the insinuation there, but that just makes it seem worse because we're all going, yeah, they get it. They know this yeah. makes no fucking sense either. And then Celise has been shown to be absolutely mad as a fucking box of frogs since the yeah. first time we've seen her, and has been treated with pretty much utter disdain yeah. by everybody except Shreen despite the fact that she doesn't give two craps about Shireen most of the time, and now all of a sudden, because she's being burned at the stake, seems to break down. But I get it. She's a mother. Mm -hmm. um, but then we don't have a great level, as an audience, of emotional connection with her because we've been informed that she's just his bat-crap crazy wife. Yeah. And, to and a that point is where, how and, she's and portrayed. And so again, she doesn't like matter her... to us. No, she doesn't. And even to Stannis and... Oh, when she no, she she was they were talking about the fact that he fucked Melisandre. It's in the service of the Lord of Light, I don't care. Well yeah. surely this is in the service of the Lord of Light as well. Exactly. So it, the, all of a sudden giving her character a bit of backbone, it's too little too late because again, we should have seen this. We should know we should we should have seen again some form of doubt, some sort of questioning whereby 
even if it's question no if it's questioning to make him question himself something where you can pin a bit of doubt on something you can pin something on and say actually yeah she no she wasn't as on board as she made out yeah and it's... then to move forward but as it is again we've had the most devout follower who will accept anything will put up with anything will endure anything because it's in the service of lord of light and then all of a sudden she's the one who thinks it's a bad idea again it's just it's just characters being mishandled because they're not understood and they haven't done the legwork yeah it's it's terrible it's 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 terrible scene it's terrible narratively it's just all around one of the worst decisions they've made in the show so far one of um one of uh, i mean they've made many you know but this is this is awful uh now just from a narrative point of view if we want to talk awful decisions then little clam is right up the top of the tree yeah um but hey, those are the people making the show. What can we say? Uh, look, actually, that's not fair. We don't know them. Maybe it wasn't them. I don't know. But well, they, they wrote the episode. There you go. Then it is them. Um, <laughs> so okay, that is the last of the really bad stuff. We're on. We're, we're on the sprint to the finish now. And much like last week, this has a big, massive closing scene that takes up a hearty chunk of the episode. Not as much yeah. as last week. No, but it is. It is that's a long ten minutes, isn't it? It's a long finale, and uh, mostly I think it's pretty good. But let's take it from the top because uh, there are some issues. So first of all, we've got Danny sitting uncomfortably in the amphitheater, um, and she doesn't want to clap her hands to sort of start the game. Now, this is a woman who has executed hundreds of people at this point in varying manner of gruesome ways. Yeah. And yet she won't clap her hands to start a fair contest. Yeah, now this this is problematic, and again, this is where they're trying to say that she you know she's opposed to this. This is something that you know is abhorrent to her. That this is something she's you know directly against that she's trying to stop. But if she was that if she was that intent on stopping it, terror threats or not, she would have stopped it. She yeah. wouldn't have backed down. She wouldn't have yielded. And because of that, Barristan Sammy's death would not have been in vain. Because all she's all that his death has done is made her do a complete fucking one eighty and turn her back on the rule she made, which got him killed in the first place. Yeah. So um, again, it's completely diminishing any respect that she has for him. But then, so we get this thing: oh, she, yeah, she's reluctant to clap. She doesn't understand the custom to start with, so she's talking. You no, know, he, he has to explain that she, you no, know, that's how she starts a fight. And then we get, you no, know, she's reluctant. And again, her, her, Amelia Clark's performance of that is very good. You no, know, you can, you can tell that she's reticent to do it. You know, you get, you get that she's doing a good, she's doing what she needs to do. That's fine. So then she, you get this pathetic little meager tapping of hands. At which point, nobody else in the fucking arena would have heard that. This in this massive coliseum, no other fuck would have heard it because I barely heard it through my headphones. Yeah, but all of a sudden they erupt into cheers and the fighting starts, and then that yeah, great, whatever. So we do that, and then so that fight happens, and they have this stuff, about, and we have this conversation all the time on who wins about you no know, big versus fast. Yeah, fine. So they do all that. So that's that's, that's great, mate. I just that, that, that worked really well. I want to put really a pin nice in scene. that, and yeah, I mean Dario, you know my feelings on Dario since he's been, you know, this. Since, I mean, at since this he's point, been this one. Yeah, at this point, Michael Houseman's played him. I don't know if it's Houseman, Houseman. I don't know how you pronounce it, but anyway, he's played him. I think now for longer than than the mm. other dude. And I mean, I, the other dude like two and a half episodes. Yeah, I mean, and you know, as this Dario, I, I fucking love him as a character. I think he's great. He's charming as fuck. He's dashing. He's a little bit roguish. Like he's great. He's really, really good. And I, I just love this kind of setting him up for a fall that happens because all along you're thinking, like you know, if you think back, this joke actually like the setup came fucking weeks ago where they were they were searching for the sons of the harpies and he walks into the room and kind of grabs the guy to the wall yeah. like set up for this 
came fucking weeks ago. Well, not only that, you've you've got that setup, and then where Tyrion joins in as well, and they sort of they they're, they're ganging up on is it Hilage Hilage whatever. I don't know. I, I just call him husband. Yeah, um, his da. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So nothing, nothing like I said. Um, so yeah, the two of the, the two of them get into it with him, and they're both talking about you no know, small and fast versus big, and he's like, oh yeah, back to big man every time, and they they're giving it all this. And again, we had Tyrion two weeks ago, whenever it was, where he attacked his slaver and he killed him. Yeah. You know, so so we've 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 had this already. We've had this thing about strong and fast, uh, about uh, small and fast, as opposed to you know to, to big and lumbering, and. No, so this is something they've done repeatedly on the show, and so they are doubling down on it. And you, you, and I mean, I was of the same opinion because we have this this discussion all the time on who wins. That being a big lumbering ox, yes, okay, you can potentially soak up more damage, and one of your hits will do more damage than one of a smaller person's hits, but they will get more in for you know, in the same amount of time because they they're going to be more nimble, they're going to be more able. Yeah, and yeah, I think it was one of. Uh, Listening to, it, I was going, yeah, they're absolutely fucking right. And then, of course, we cut away, and as as we cut back, big dude's cutting little dude's head off, um, which is it's a delightful little scene, and it's a really nice departure from all the shit we've had before in this episode and what's coming. Yeah, it's great. Uh, just they should give Dario more stuff. I'd watch a Dario show, to be honest. I think he's fucking brilliant. Um, well, there's always room for a spin-off because you know the, the adventures. That's with him. The adventures of Dario and Bron. There you go. That's yeah. There's your show. I'll watch that all fucking day long. Yeah, take uh, my money. Yeah, and they're both just trying to one up each other the whole time, <laughs> like by just having just a season long pissing contest. Like, I'll take that all day long. I'd somebody, watch that. somebody, give me that, please. Um, so yeah, that's a great scene. Um, and then it leads on then to this kind of three way conversation between Tyrion, Danny, and husband. Yeah. Um, which they make some good points within it. And there are some very good lines, especially from Tyrion. You know, he's yeah. back on form at this point. As we said last week, he's firing all cylinders. Um, but Jesus Christ, it's overwritten. Fucking yeah. hell. Like, how many ways can you say the same thing? Um, Seemingly a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's so so these so great see, for lines, example, the last 40 episodes of the show. Yeah, so these great lines that we have, and, and especially the loaded lines that, that we get from Tyrion as well, they just get lost. Hmm. Under the sheer weight of dialogue. Yeah, it's just, a sheer number of words. Just completely piss on the point. So so overwritten. Um but never you know, nevertheless, there are some great lines. It's was well handled by everyone involved, because fuck me, it can't be easy to remember that much dialogue. No. Um so that's well, good. I, suppose, I suppose I mean when when yeah, it's, it's a lot of dialogue, but it you're you're among for that episode. And you're among for that that setup that'll be doing that day. It's it's probably the equivalent of learning a play. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fucking lot. It it is a lot. Um, it, it, it is a lot, but then it's no case of that's all you're doing. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't quite work like that, though, does it? Because no, they, it's because they're shot around it, sort of way. But it's it's the only thing they will, they've done in that environment. So it's the only thing they'll be shooting at that it's, time. It's the only thing they've done at that time. So in terms of they may they may just have to memorize the actual words, but yeah. it's important. And this is where a good director comes in handy as well, folks. Uh, it's important for them to work out where that scene fits in the, the grander narrative and to work out where their character is emotionally at that point, because that will play into their delivery. And bear in mind, of course, it will probably be shot out of sequence as well. So yeah. there's a again, lot. Like this there, much dialogue in one go is a fucking lot. It, it is a lot. But, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly thinking with uh, Danny and Tyrion, they, they've been doing these characters now for five years. They know these characters. So... They, they will they'll be it's not as if they're coming to them fresh and have to work work all of that out in one go they'll they'll there'll be a lot they can draw on from elsewhere as well 
Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, there's just no need for this many words. <laughs> like, it's making I, it I difficult know. for them. It's making yeah. it difficult for us. There's just I mean, no I, need. I, I know how I write, so I can't really comment. <laughs> and I write the exact opposite. So <laughs> I, like, I will not use 10 words if I can use two. So maybe that's a personal thing. Maybe it's a personal choice thing. I don't know. Maybe. Um, maybe. But yeah, it, there are just, there's no need for this many words. You can get economy of dialogue is always the best way forward I, in storytelling. I, I mean, to be honest, it's, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind it in as much as the exchanges were good. And so there, there were some good lines in there, but they, they did tend to get lost. The problem I had is that that's not what we're here for. No, this, that, we're that's here what for an act, We're here for an action sequence and... There, there's a place and a time, and we've had no, we've had that in the pyramid already. We'll have that in the future as well, where there will be a lot of talking. But this is not the place for. We are yeah. at a place where we've been sold action, and there's there's action to come, which we know about, which is the games, and there's action which the the characters don't know about, which is obviously the the end of the episode. So that no, that's all fine. But it's just a case of it's again, it just feels it feels like there's a little bit of filler to it. Yeah, there's just no need for it. And, and you know, you are right. There will be scenes and, you know, some some shows that I like to watch will have entire episodes where it's just dialogue, you know, and that's there's a time and a place but for that. But it's dialogue I, that moves things forward. Yeah, when I say economy of dialogue, that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be short. It just, everything has to mean something. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, it doesn't belong on the page and it doesn't belong on screen. If it doesn't add weight, it shouldn't be there. It's as simple as that. Um, and, and none of this really adds anything after the first few exchanges. They just keep repeating themselves, but saying things slightly differently. Yeah. Um, just like the so, cunts I work with. Uh, yeah. Uh, so not that I know the cunts you work with, but that seems like something that goes on a lot at the moment in society. Yeah. Um, so uh, moving on, then we get Jorah brought out. Um, yeah. And Danny's so, Danny's reaction here is fucking great. Okay? Yeah. But if this wasn't a complete repeat of a couple of weeks ago, you know, yeah. it, it would work. But she's well, and, acting and, like this is the first time she's been in this situation. Well, and yeah, it literally I mean, happened two weeks, two weeks ago. ago. But the thing is, right, okay, firstly, they bring them out. And the first fight is one-on-one. -on -one. The second fight is fucking six of them. Yeah. Some of them in armor, some of them in leather, some of them topless. Doesn't really seem like they've worked this one out very well. But okay, so Jorah pops out and presents himself. And as you said, we've seen this two weeks ago. Now, did she really think that having banished him once and him going off into the wilderness and returning with Tyrion, he's not just going to come straight fucking back again after she this kicked is, him out again? This is what I don't get. Like, why? Why would why, she be surprised if something he's already done once? Right. Why would she be surprised? And why do both of these scenes exist? Okay? Like, it. It works better here because they're at the big games and he needs to be there for the... Well, he doesn't yeah. necessarily need to be there for the end, but it's better if he is. It's okay? better for it, but it then again, he could have together. quite easily been in the crowd as opposed to on the pitch. Yeah, which would have worked fine as well. Yeah. Okay? It probably but, works better, actually, because you get a better reveal. Yeah, exactly. But if, if, this, is, if this is how you're going to do it, then find a different way to get Tyrion to her. Because as yeah. we said, there was no need for Tyrion to go with Jorah. I, and I next week, up anyway. Yeah, so that it, it, this just cheapens everything that's gone before from Jorah's perspective. Yeah, it, um, well, the thing we always said it was this part of Jorah's story is entirely pointless. Entirely, entirely like it, this as it is here, this works. If this was his return to her, yes. this works very well. She plays it off perfectly as well. Yeah. Her reaction is great. His reaction is great. It's all good. It's just cheapened by the fact that it is a complete repeat. Of yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and that also removes tension from the fight. Yeah, because we know what a badass he is. However, 
they seem like all of a sudden now they've like they've just nerfed him. You know, if, yeah. this, if this was a game, all of a sudden they've just completely nerfed his character because two weeks ago he literally fucking slaughtered everybody, and now all of a sudden he's struggling. But these are the, these are better ones. These are the ones who survived these preliminary ones like him to get into the big fight. So you know maybe they're slightly better fighters. But you're right. It's all it's all of a sudden like he's never held a fucking sword before. Yeah, I mean, and then. Just out of nowhere, he, and don't get me wrong, it's fucking amazing. I'm completely yeah. badass. But he does this awesome fucking combat roll into yes. a sap. <laughs> fucking incredible. That was brilliant. I I, I did, I did uh, raise a little smile at that. But again, one thing I want to come back to, actually, we had the, the his reveal and Danny's reaction. But again, we talk about Danny as, no, okay, everybody else talks about Danny as being kindly and benevolent and always wronged and she's always fighting for justice and all the rest of it we saw her be reluctant to clap to start the first fight for people she didn't know because this is a fucker she believes has slighted her she was straight in there and the look on her face it was it was it was vicious it was vengeful it was spiteful oh yeah i I think but in in two and a half years yeah it is but in two and a half years time people will be surprised danny doesn't do that no danny danny's not vicious danny no danny's not vengeful or vindictive or petty she fucking well is we've seen it we've seen it from day one but we know we see it here where she has an opportunity to inflict pain on somebody she thinks has wronged her again and whereas the others have been they've wronged other people so like the masters who crucified kids on the way into marine she then started she crucified them on posts fine that was done because it was no, it was supposed in the name of justice this is her her taking out her fucking anger on somebody who got one up on her because they were she's not as clever as she fucking thinks she is. This is her getting to take her revenge, and that's why she's so fucking quick to clap. Yeah, exactly. It's it will never fail to surprise me how people react to her turn, particularly when we look at, as I say, what's happened with um with Stannis in this very episode. Like yeah. the fact that people point fingers at Danny all the time when it's it's played absolutely perfectly i think her performance is great she clearly mm. signifies all of that she signifies that like fuck you i'm holding your life in my hands yeah you know her initial shock from seeing him goes to no you fucker i've just sent you away yeah sent you, know? you away twice what no why won't you die yeah um it's all all makes sense yeah. as does her eventual heel turn well, it's, I don't. I don't like it. I've got to be. I don't like it to a heel term because it's always been there. No, it's always been there. Yeah, it's. A, it's just more pronounced. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're right. This is just another one of those those scenes that you can point to and go, see, she's always been that way. Yeah, um, she's always had that. And where she, no, yes, she comes across as as being sweetness and light, and yes, she comes across as being very just and very fair. But it is signposted from very early on that she does have this really fucking petty streak to her, where things don't go her way. And she yeah. takes it really fucking personally. Fire and blood. Just saying. Fire and blood. Um, so, but, you know, it's a good action scene. It's yeah. just, it's marred by repetition. And the fact that because of that repetition, we clearly know that Jorah's been nerfed. And then all of a sudden, it's like out of nowhere, he suddenly remembers who he is. Yeah, and like, like after, after he's done, he's done the no, the majority of the damage. He's now and it's like, oh yeah, I was supposed to win this fight, wasn't I? Oh fuck, right, okay. It is almost like he's about to take a dive, isn't it? It's yeah, like it's he's like, just oh, letting him get some shots in. Yeah, so I forgot the money's on me this week. All right, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, it was quite like he's like, oh shit, yeah, I'm, I forgot about that. And then I so say you get the commander roll and straight into fucking lunge, which I mean, I, I can't remember what I, I'm sure it's on a computer game where you can do that. I can't remember which one it is, but I'm sure there's a game where you do that that exact movement where you do you do the combat roll straight out of it and lunge and, and probably to the heart. Yeah, it's probably a few games where you can do it. It looked it does look very gamey and it's it, it looks badass. Like it looks the shit. 
I mean, yeah, I've said it numerous times. Whenever, like, we don't see Jorah fight that often, but whenever we do, he's a total fucking badass. Like, oh, yes. I well, love watching Jorah fight. Played, whereas when, you, when you look at other people fight, you look at Bron fight, you look at Jamie fight before he lost his hand, you look at Oberyn fight, even the Hound, they're so fucking self-assured and so cocky and so arrogant, you almost want them to get smacked in the face. Oh, yeah, whereas, whereas with Jorah, with Jorah it's, it's just, it's business. He's like, it's, it's efficient. I'm, it's, yeah, it's, it's Batman. It, yeah, we said I, it. I'm we not, said it last time. He fought as well. He's yeah. just—it's grim efficiency. Like, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time crowing or taunting no. or anything. Like that. I've got—I've got a job to do, and then I've got some other shit to do as well. So let's yep. get on with it. Just do the fight. I'll win or I'll lose, and that'll be it. Yeah, it. it there's it, no fucking no, showboating. There's no showboating. There's nothing. There's no wasted momentum. There's nothing. There is just—he's a machine when yeah. he's fighting. I, and I, this, there's just something awesome about that. Whenever you see that in in any <laughs> character, there is just something that that's awesome about that kind of. And it is—it's Batman-esque. That kind of yeah. surgical precision to striking people. You know, uh, like like that combat role. It it just comes out of nowhere. Like he he picks his exact moment and he's like, right, there's my opening. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's one blow. You know, he just rolls yeah. in and just fucking runs the guy through. And, and, and like we've seen, and up until that point, we've seen him. He, he gets a nick on the arm. He gets a nick on the leg. He's punched in the face and you know, spits out blood everywhere. So we we've seen all this stuff. And he, he is you're right. He's literally picking his moment and going. I only need one shot. I don't yeah. need all the. I don't need death by a thousand cuts. I'll get you once and that'll be it. Yeah, and, and you're gone, pal. And it's yeah, yeah it's great. I fucking love it. Um, so yeah, good scene, just cheapened by the repetition. Yeah. Um, then we get the reveal that the stadium is full of the sons of the harpy. Yeah. Um, and and Tyrion gets to do some actual fighting yeah. without getting knocked out. Yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, about it was, time. It was, it was good as well. I mean, the, the whole sequence from this point. So you get um, Jorah wins his fight. Da- Danny's there looking horrified. He picks up the spear and launches it. Clear fucking at her. Yeah. And manages to miss um but yeah so so he takes out the uh the would-be assassin because all the fucking unsullied who are surrounding her missed it missed it but it but it takes jorah to save a life that's but it takes jorah who's 20 fucking yards away down in the pit to throw mm-hmm. a spear when you've got all these armed and armored soldiers around surrounding her who failed to see the assassin walking through with the gold mask on i mean if you think that's ridiculous well yeah <laughs> i mean you know yeah, yeah i mean you're dead right here we are now she's all of them, all of our heroes over this side of the world, uh, if you will, are all completely outnumbered and surrounded, and it's yes. absolute certain death for them. I mean, if only, if only Danny had some kind of Deus Ex Machina that could just solve this whole <laughs> thing. I wonder what that could be, Mark. Oh, yeah. look. Suddenly, she can magically fucking summon dragons. Well, I, know. I never saw I mean, that coming. Well, I, I've not been fair. So you get this, and you get the sequence where the sons of the harp are slaughtering people. Now, I'm trying to because they were all in the green and gold robes, yeah. And they're slaughtered. So it's a really nice signifier that they're in the gold, ro- green and gold robes, and anybody who's not is getting stabbed in the neck, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you would you'd just be wishing you'd worn your other fucking uh, robes that day, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. You'd be in the stadium. Why the fuck didn't I put my, my dress on like everybody put- else? It's like why being at the wrong this... end of the stands, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so why did I wear this fucking loincloth instead of my green and gold robes? God damn it. Yeah. Fucking hell, I'm in the away stand. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> so, so you see lots of mindless thought. And again, loads of Unsullied, who are supposed to be these perfect fucking assassin killing and fighting machines, just get completely raped in the arse. Like, no. None of them know how to fight. No. I, and this is and it's not as if they're before. being massively outnumbered. They're not being outflanked and outmaneuvered. They're they're being te- they're literally just they're walking up behind them and slitting their throats. So have you not seen this show for the last four seasons? Do you not know how this works? Yeah. It's like you know, you're supposed to be the ultimate soldiers, and you can't you can't even win one on one combat with people who aren't trained. 
yeah, it's it's poor, isn't it? <laughs> it it, it is awful. poor. And then so you get to this point where Danny and Tyrion and Jorah and um Dario and the girl whose name I can't remember, Miss Andy, they're surrounded and you know there's this old no this guys and dolls fucking West Side story standoff whereby they're surrounded and might as well be clicking their fingers and tapping their feet and waiting for you know, waiting for their cue to attack. I mean, honestly, it's really well done, though. It's really well choreographed. It is really well done. It looks looks really, it looks really menacing. It's just that we know what's coming. It is, and I mean, I've never, I've never been part of a riot. I've never witnessed a riot firsthand. But when you see stuff, and when you see footage of stuff, and you see footage of battle and stuff, they don't stand around waiting for a cue. If you've got the enemy in your sights and they're not really, no, they're not protecting themselves and they're undefended, you go in for the fucking kill. You don't stand around and click your fingers and smoke cigarettes and look cool. But it's, it's like they were on. It's like the, the the union came in and went, "Yeah, you can't do anything until we've had our break." Yeah, I mean, it's I I'll go with it. It's all in the name of dramatic tension, it, it isn't is, it? And but, it's it is, but it's again, it's logic. It's in, it's the internal it's it's internal logic. We've seen these people strike from nowhere. We've seen that they are ruthless. We've seen they're efficient. We've seen they don't waste opportunities by taking by by no, they bide their time. But then when the time comes, they attack and they they all out attack until it's done. And I this guess is it, just like they've they've just kind of gone. Oh well, that battle's won. But before we start the next one, even though the people are here, and if we stand still, they'll stab us. We'll just stand still. I guess it just feels weird because this show constantly hides behind the veil of realism. Uh, you know, when when we have these sudden deaths and characters are thrown away without any kind of uh, remorse or or any kind of sort of narrative ripple in the world, yeah. uh, the, the excuse is always ah, but that's like real life. That's realism. Yeah, people, people just, just die. People die. You know, we even talked about it this episode with the fucking with Stannis's tent in the wind. You know, ah, they're going for realism. And I guess if you're going for realism, then you can't all of a sudden over dramatize something, which is what they do here. This this is overly dramatized. I'll go with it. I I like it. I think it's very well done stylistically. It, it's just stylistically, it's good. However, and you can't hide behind realism in a scene with a fucking dragon. No, just saying. Uh, well. I'm... No, you can't. I, so... I, I, I get you. I do understand your point, and it, 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 it I say it, it's atmospheric. It's you know, there's there, there is a lot of tension there. It just seems to be kind of like there's an unnatural pause. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mean, a bit it's... like the, the, the German and and Allied forces playing football on Christmas Day in in the war. It's, it's the like calm you're trying before to... the storm is what it but, is. It, yeah, it, but you would you wouldn't have a calm here. It doesn't that doesn't track. But then, if you didn't have this, then it would feel off when the dragon suddenly appears. I, it I takes... don't think it would. I think you can do it. You could do it in such a way that the threat, the threat can be a lot more. Where you no, know, they are enclosed, they are close up, and and then you, you know, you you don't need to get the. I mean, they they they, they do you no. Know, Danny closes her eyes, and all of a sudden she can fucking communicate with him. Well, no, whatever, whatever the fuck happens there, or she wishes, and he appears. You do that, and then you get a tiny shriek. And you get the the ever so slight you no know, flapping of wings and all of that and again it just slows everything down to a point where I'm thinking hang on if I'm trying to kill this bitch and I you no know, and all of a sudden you've got this massive calm this massive lull I'm gonna be thinking right hang on is this my shot do I start do I throw a fucking knife at her I think I think you're reading it far too literally um, I think like like we've joked about it like obviously the intent isn't that she telepathically sends no, no, no. the dragon the 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 intent it, is that he's he's just coming to the rescue at exactly the right time he is yeah. literally a Deus Ex Machina here it's like there is no other way out we've got to deploy the dragon but I think actually in, in dramatic terms. There is, you know, we do get in on that tight close-up of Danny. We've sort of got a contra-zoom going on there as well. And the intent is very much the timing slowing. Um, it is overly dramatized. And that's my reading of it anyway. And it, it works perfectly fine for me. 
uh, and then fuck it, I'll take it. I'll 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 take that for the slow introduction of the dragon, even though we know it's coming. Mm. I kind of want to be teased with it at that point. I don't want him to just show up because then I'm going to go, oh, for fuck's sake. But, you know, the, the slow tease of it, um, it just, just makes it work. And especially when, you know, the, the dragon does eventually just land. This is the first, like, proper, proper look we've got at a full-grown dragon. Like, yeah. and what they can do. And it's fucking awesome. And in order to be fucking awesome, it needs that build-up. I think everything here is is justified from a stylistic and a dramatic standpoint and yeah i i get it like the realism of it of course they would just run straight towards them but i think you can take license in this you know it's not real life it is a show and it is engineered and as as part of that then occasionally you're gonna do some crazy shit you know like it's it's like when you watch asian cinema or you watch a a sort of uh what what hollywood passes off now as as sort of action films which are blatantly influenced by asian cinema of 20 years ago and you get things like bullet time and gun ballet and things like that like that would never happen but it takes place in a seemingly otherwise realistic world yeah um, and, and that's fine i'm more for that I'm more for start for stylistic interpretation shit like that that's fine. i have no issue with that but again like you know, as you said you, know, the, you get the the contrast room and the impression that time is slowing that's yeah. fine except nobody's fucking moving like time is slowed they might well, no, well, but that's, they might as well but, be looking at their watches well, no, but if you do that, then it does become ridiculous. But it's it it's more ridiculous. that, yeah, it's that it's that you are locked in with Danny at that point, and the intent of that shot, and it's clearly communicated. You know, I took the piss, but it's clearly communicated. The intent of that shot is, oh fuck, I'm dead. That is the intent of that shot. It is Danny accepting yeah. that this is it. It is over. Um, now. If you double that down by slowing down the rush towards her and showing bodies fall and stuff like that, then it really is got like it becomes ridiculous at that point. It it goes way over the top. Um, I I, th- I think it's handled really well. I I think this scene is handled really really well. It's not last week's ending by any stretch, and uh, narratively it's very convenient as has a lot of Danny's story been this season. But I think for what's here, it's I like it a lot. Yeah, I it, think it's, it's pretty fucking. Let's say it, it, it's fine. Let's say there, there, there are bits that bug me, but no, there's nothing that there's nothing that sort of drags me out of it to a point where I'm going, "Oh fuck this show." That's next week. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those. I'm thinking f- for your own logic within the show, something the two bits don't match, and we've had the episode has been like that where we've had these bits that don't add up, the characters don't work, but the sequences look alright, or the sequences look alright, but or the sequences look shit, but the characters work. However, they've done it. They don't just the episode just seems to be a little bit off key. Uh, it definitely and, is, yeah. and I think that that's what the end of this sequence is. The, the actual end is that once the dragon arrives, it start fucking shit up. I know, and again, they're attacking it as they would because you know, why would you know? At that point, that's that's the threat. All of a sudden, Danny and a little, no, a little bad, a little Scooby Gang are not going to do anything to you. It's the fucking fire breathing dragon that's going to get you. So yeah. I know I, I get and that's all handled really well. The effects, the fucking the noise it makes when it gets arrowed and stabbed and shit horrifying through headphones um yeah. and that all re- works really well it's just this 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 bit between them being completely surrounded and then nothing happening while they're surrounded that's the bit that bugs me and i say it's probably just it's i say it's that logic gap which gets me every fucking time um and then they they sort of pull it back because once once drogon arrives and starts fucking shit up to a point where even the suit no once when she climbs on and she's she's being careful not to get, have you no know, 
she doesn't sort of run up and jump on and he flies away. It's it's she's very ginger. She's very tender. Um, she approaches slowly. She climbs on slowly because she doesn't know how he's going to react. You know, this is the first time she's ridden it, I think. It is, um, yeah. And all the while, people are chucking spears at her, so she's ducking and she's trying to keep herself hidden and keep herself low to the body and all that shit. And so, you no, know, even when he flies out, he doesn't just flap his wings and go straight up. It's it's a running start because he needs the momentum because of the damage and the injury and stuff. So that all works really well. It's just that is it twenty seconds that we've been talking about for the last ten minutes? You know, it's it's, I, it's that tiny tiny bit that just bugged the piss out of me. I mean, it honestly washed over me that I I've no idea how much time it was. This is a this is clearly going to be an agree to disagree thing. Oh, definitely, it, yeah. I, I I do not care about it at all. I think it works really <laughs> well. Um, it's it's clearly there to give us that breathing room yeah. for that dramatic break, and they need it. I think without it, the scene wouldn't work. So I'm okay with it. But yeah, the dragon does appear. Um, he's awesome. Yeah, she climbs on. It turns into never-ending story for a couple of yeah, seconds yeah. with her flying around. But honestly, though, the more important thing to talk about in terms of logic gaps and and what have you in in all of this, and again tying into where Danny goes. All of the people that she cares about most in the entire world are in that fighting pit. Yeah. She just fucks off without even looking back. She just climbs on the dragon and fucks off. What a cunt. Like, she makes no attempt to save them whatsoever. No, she she doesn't circle around and and, do more fire breathing and and take the rest of them out so she can save her friends. No, 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 no. She's fucking out of there. She is. Like it was so, th- fun elastic guys. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Got yeah, so, I, so th- this is another another place I fucked up. I'm gonna try somewhere else now. Cheers, bye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send my much. dragons just to love you. Bye. You know, <laughs> fucking it, awful. Yeah. It it is, and it, you know, it it very much feels like that she's flying off into the sunset because she has failed again. Yeah. Uh, she she failed in Pentos where she had to send Dario back to sort it out. Yeah, she she failed there. She's failed in Marine. It's like, oh yeah, I'm off somewhere else now. Bye. Yeah, off she goes. Um, so that that just rubbed me up the wrong way. But again, it just there it is. Danny's a fucking cunt. She's <laughs> entirely self-serving. She is. Yeah, um, she just leaves them all to die. Uh, I, I mean, at the very least, like if she can't save them, like nuke the site from orbit. At the very yeah. least, don't don't leave them there to be fucking fodder for the. Well, that's it. Don't leave them there to be brutalized. I mean, you know full well that. Tyrion will be put in a cage. Missandei will be raped eight ways from Sunday. Yeah, yeah. like you do. These these are the people you purport to care about, and or um, you, you know, if there's misery to be had, you put them out of it. You don't leave them to suffer. No, uh, but I mean, at this point, she's commanding the dragon. So, like, just all right, oh, get so use the fucking dragon. Have yourself a breather. Get yeah, some space, go, and then go back in behind them. Yeah, and fucking slaughter them all. Save the people you care about. Well, that's like, it. Because you know, you think, okay, have, have your breather. Do a couple of laps. Do a bit of swooping. Get a bit close to the fuckers. Not close enough they can hit you or do any damage, but just to put the fear of shit into them. And then you go back up. You do another lap. You come back down somewhere else and scare somebody else. You do that and a couple of times just to really cement your position. Then you swoop in, fucking mouth open, and flames coming out everywhere, and you just napalm the fuckers. Yeah, and like the ones that you don't get are going to run away in terror. Of course they are, and they will never fucking cross you again. No. So this is the thing. This is what a show of force is actually for, and this is where you use it in a position where you are down and out, and you still manage to pull. No, you still manage to drag yourself out of the shit and come away with a win. This is where you rub your enemy's face in it. This is where you say, "All right, you've had your fun. Now fucking my turn." Remember that for next season. Yeah. Remember that. (laughs) 
because we'll yeah we'll talk about shows of force next season with Danny. Mm. Uh, yeah. Or is it the season after? No, it's next season. No, it's next season. It's next, next season. season. Yeah, we'll talk about shows of force then. Um, but yeah, there you go. Um, disagreement about that final scene aside. Uh, yeah. I I think aside from that final scene, which I really liked, um, not as for much as last part, week's. Too, for the most part, but I really liked. You know. It's a, I had an issue with the dialogue. You didn't. You had an issue with the action. I didn't. But I guess one balances the other out, and we can yeah. both agree that it's a good scene. Um, it's a good scene in another way. Lower end of mediocre episode, I think. Uh, I'd call it flat out poor. <laughs> I, think, I, I was being nice. I think that I think that like the end is good. Um, there's a little bit of good stuff with John. The rest of it very poor, very boring. Some grief, like some of the most grievous crimes we've had against story for a long time in this show yes. let alone the fucking whole thing with the pedophiles like yeah like one pedophile is enough but they really really double down on pedophilia in this episode and that's just never okay and never cool no like and, and, and let's let's look at it uh no in terms of how it advances the story, it doesn't. Let's look at it in terms of entertainment for the episode. There is none. So it doesn't. The purpose, no, the purpose for it being here is that I actually don't even know. I can't even finish that sentence. I don't know no, what. That's, it, it, I, it, I know. Yeah, I know it, where you're it going with it. And, and I agree. I mean, the whole yeah. thing. No, the whole thing of having Marin Trant in a, in a brothel after no, looking for children. That, so it gives Arya her in. Arya doesn't need to, to present herself as a child prostitute or a child victim or whatever you want to look. However you want to look at it, she doesn't need to position herself in that way to get close to him. She already has an in whereby she's selling shit in the no, she's selling shit in the brothel. She's already sold to the the other guards. So yeah. poison their fucking poison the food you sell them, like you're supposed to do for the other fucker. Do that, you get your revenge, you kill them, you make your offering to the many faced god. Except, oh, that's the other thing as well, because a girl is no one or a girl is someone, but she's clearly fucking Arya Stark because she's still on Arya Stark's mission, and that's reinforced this week, and we we didn't mention that. So if you're going to do that, there are a million other ways you can kill him without having to. Go into no, go down that route and get into that position. And if you if you you look at that logically in the position she is in, where she is now working for assassins and is learning to become an assassin, possibly I don't know, I don't fucking understand the story, but no, there are a million different ways she could do that without having to masquerade as a child prostitute. Yep, completely. and putting herself in complete fucking danger to yeah. get close to a man she can kill in a million different ways without having to see the fucking whites of his eyes or the reds of his eyes, as will be next week. But we'll come on to that next week. Yep. I, I completely agree. Like, look, I mean, there are uh, there are entire films which deal with the subject of paedophilia, which oh. actually I think are are very very good. And when when you've got something to say and when it's necessary for your story, then it's it's an evil that you just you swallow. Um, it's yeah. it's never comfortable, but that's the point. But yeah, but I mean, when it, it's as, a, so as a social issue, then it's frivolous. something that he's talking about. Yeah, when it's so frivolous as it is here, and it's thrown away as if it's the most normal thing in the world. Yeah, and again, we've talked before about you no know, excusing it because it's a medieval world or it's a different society, a different culture. No. That's fucking bullshit because it's its origin. Even even though it's based in in that in another time frame where things may have been acceptable, it's it's come out of now or yeah. the late nineties or wherever it was when he wrote the fucking thing. You know, it's 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 born out of a modern product where, as far as I'm concerned, it was never acceptable. But certainly by the time this was being written, it was clearly not acceptable. Well, look, it's like I said, the inference is in the line that even even if you take Martin's comments from the book where he says, oh, back then, you know, you were a, you were a child or you were or an adult. 
Yeah, what it right? Your child or your woman? That's it. Even right. Even if you follow that through again, you come back to the to the connotation of the line, "Your little clam." Yeah, it's the intent she is, is a little that girl. she is a child. Yeah, she is a. They are treating her like a child. Therefore, I mean, this is paedophilia. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I know it's difficult because the narrative in this show is uh, the the the. The, the, the timeline in the show is fairly fucking fluid anyway, by which I mean non-existent. But, I mean, she was, what, 10 when we started? So she's going to be, what, 13 now? 12. As a, 13, as a character? Yeah, at most, yeah. Yeah. So she is very literally a child. Yeah, yeah. She is, she is in all aspects of the law, a child. She, she is acknowledged as a child earlier on in the episode. Like, yeah. she, she is a child. Never mind the fact that then when we get to the setup on the brothel, they hammer that home by going, no, younger, younger, yeah. younger, younger, to the point where you expect them to bring out a fucking baby at yeah. one point. Like, it's it's horrible and completely uncalled for. It is so unnecessary. Yeah. I I cannot understand the thought process. It's I, I'm not I'm not even gonna go there because I, I don't I don't even want to begin to imagine what kind of person can conjure this up for shits and giggles. Yeah. I I really don't. I find it entirely distasteful. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's... I I look at it, and I, I think that given some what we've seen from Martin in the book so far, I mean, I've not finished the book yet. I'll, I'll finish it this weekend. Um, but what we've seen in the book, what we've seen from this show thus far, it's clearly been done as a shock tactic and to put the character in the biggest possible fucking peril they can be in. I get that because that's how you build drama. However, you can do that by her trying to fucking, you know, her trying to metal gear stealth around a fucking brothel where there are guards everywhere to get to poison his drink that's just as you, there's but no potentially there's more there's more even more drama and more tension in that because there's a the risk of her getting caught and, oh look look you know, if, if there you, are ways of doing this without having to put no without having to make her a child prostitute if you absolutely want to go down this road with it okay i like yes you can put her in peril and yes it's a very real threat for a little girl i get it but if you absolutely want to do that, then you have to go one of two ways with it. You either have to have the aggressor be dealt with extremely quickly by her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yes, he can be threatening. Yeah. But then he has to be a nobody and he has to be dealt with very quickly. Yes. Or uh, because that establishes dominance and power for her. OK. Yeah. Or you have to have this as a very long drawn out process and we have to fully understand the motivations behind that pedophile they yeah. have to be a person but yeah but not only that i mean if you're doing that and you're having this as a drawn out process you need your character your your intended victim who will become on who will come on and become the aggressor you need to have a full arc for them as well they need to start, that's what i'm saying they, they need yeah. to they be, need to be afraid to be an entity because we we as an audience need to understand them and understand where this drive comes from and what this thing is. And even though we'll never, or at least most of us, will never be able to emotionally connect with that on any kind of level, we'll at least understand the thought process of the character and how they get there. And it's not just this throwaway shock tactic of, oh, they like to fuck underage girls. Yeah, and, and thus they'll get their come up as very quickly. Because, I mean, I think what I was trying to say is that, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. You need to build that, that person as a character. But you can't have Arya going in there as the aggressor either. No. Because again, that's not her character at the moment. Yes, okay, yes, she is vengeful. We know that she's vengeful. She's no, she outright professes to be vengeful, but she's not in a position where she can just go in sorts, all sorts swinging and fuck shit up. So we, no. you know, we, we can't have it where she goes in and she is she all the aggression is hers, all the running is hers, and she's hunting down prey. That can't be what this is, and that's what this becomes next week. 
Yeah, and I feel like they like surely it wouldn't take that much. Bear in mind who this character is and the world that we're in. It's not going to take you that long to find the third route here, is it? It no. doesn't. It, it doesn't have to be either. She's a fucking predator or she's prey. Like there, there is a third option here. Surely there's a third, fourth, fifth, six millionth option. Any yeah. one of them are better than what we get. You're just either. I mean, so what that boils down to is either the creative team were too lazy to take that option. I don't believe that's the case. They were too ignorant to take that option. I think that's. I hope that's the case. Uh, or they flat out like this option, which is alarming. Um, yeah. I'm going to choose for the Let's sake of for my the... sanity and yeah. for the sake of being nice and not thinking ill of anybody because I genuinely don't, you know, regardless of the fact that we do lay into people on this show, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily seek to see the bad in people. So I'm going to choose to take option B here and, and hope this is ignorance. Um, yeah. But whatever it is, I find it just gross. Yeah, and it's 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 gross and it's unnecessary, and that's 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 my biggest problem with it. There, as you, as we said, there are a million ways they could have done this, and nine hundred nine nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine would have been better than this. Absolutely, but never mind. Dragons, dragons. So, yep. Yeah, we got. Didn't even get a tip vote this week. I mean, that's probably a good thing, bearing in mind what we've just been talking about. Yeah, but you know, the ones that we were presented with were all of age and had tits. So you know, yeah, it's yeah. it's it's a, it's a missed opportunity for for these guys, which I find um, alarming. I think somebody may have had a stroke or some sort of hemorrhage. Oh, careful with language like that. Yeah, that's, that's you know, why I clarified yeah. the hemorrhage. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, somebody's forgotten what show they're making. Clearly, uh, clearly so. Um, but look, let's put this episode in the fucking rearview mirror because it's horrible. So it is. Um, although that said, for all the talk we've had of poor end, uh, of, of poor bits of episodes and not really, you know, the episode not living up or the ending not living up to what we wanted to. There's always next week. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, strap yourselves in, listeners. Yeah, no. I mean, it, we will get to the end because we will get to the end. But this this next week's episode for me was the one where it was one of the ones where I went, you know what? Fuck it. I'm out. Um, I, I have several fuck it, I'm out moments. I've, I've had a couple. This, this, this one was probably the main one for me. It was, it was close to a main one for me, but I, we, we'll talk about it next week. I had a very... As well, this, and the, this and the immediate aftermath. Yeah, it's it's more the immediate aftermath, but I had a very um, almost visceral reaction to it, to be honest. I was fucking furious. I was yeah. ready to break shit, uh, but I calmed down very quickly uh, just because... Well, we'll talk about it next week, but I, I all I will say is I absolutely knew that there was... Uh, even this show, there is no way they could have stuck with what happens next week. No, but... But again, it's. I mean, we talked about it last week, and in terms, in reference to the book, when the creators, when the creator and the the showrunners don't understand the story, to the extent that you know, they do what they do next week, and then have to reverse engineer it, that tells you everything you need to know about how poorly they understand who these characters are. Oh, totally, are. totally. But look, we're being cryptic for people that haven't watched the show before and are watching along with us, and we're talking ahead. Uh, yeah. for people that do know what's coming so we'll we'll have this discussion next yeah. week but yeah yeah right right here and now this is a piss poor episode with a very good ending yeah yeah i'll accept that um if you have thoughts on that obviously we'd we love to hear them we love your uh, your feedback you can find us on twitter at ddpodcastnet you can go to our website ddpodcast.net where you can find our previous episodes as well as some other other shows you can find us on facebook with the double down podcast network Wherever you get your podcasts from, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Music, um, you can yeah, search us out. 
Uh, like, share, review, uh, subscribe, and we'll get back to you as best we can. But until next time, game over.